0: My name is Zoe, the co-host of Not Superwoman. I am the granddaughter of French, English and Irish immigrants now living on Boorurrung land. I acknowledge that we meet on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast was recorded. We pay respects to Elders past and present. I recognise and respect their cultural heritage beliefs and relationships with this land.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Not Woman. We are bloody lucky to be had the opportunity to sit down with the vibrant and
0: just vivacious and heavenly. I feel like I'm still glowing, like my cheeks are kind of... God, she made me feel so good. Yes, Georgie Coghlan. Um,
1: You may have seen her on your TV screens from home or at the theatre. She is such a multifaceted, multi-talented woman. She has done um, things from being on The Circle... The Today Show, one of the hosts of the project for ten years. She was done- also
0: a teacher, mm,
1: a school teacher. Um, she was studied science. Like what a like incredible career path. So many different you know, experiences and it's a part, a big part of the reason why we wanted to get her on. We wanted to talk to her about following your curiosity and setting your boundaries because we just felt like when we were looking into her, she's someone that really clearly knows what she wants to do, what she wants to try, when she's done with it, like when she's ready to move forward, try something else and I think that's quite a unique trait.
0: Oh, and her warmth and energy and just overall aura. hmm is so lovely to be around. Yeah, I, I feel like you would feel the same way after talking with her. I feel changed. Yeah,
1: she's there's not many people that you meet that you see them on Instagram and and you know sadly some of the time they fall short on who they are in real life versus who they are on Instagram or in in the media and I just always remember Georgie's vibrant smile on the project or her nurturing compassion when someone was telling a a difficult news story and she's she's real and she's so as just as real in person as she is in the media and in her shows and you know sat down with us today asking you know nothing of us and giving absolutely everything and was just so willing to contribute to the not superwoman community and you know provide her reflections and her
0: feedback and god we were lucky to have that chat with her
1: Mm, so we welcome the gorgeous Georgie Coghlan Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are truly blessed with the company of the very gorgeous and vibrant Georgie Coughlin. Oh, thank you for coming. We're very excited,
2: sincerely. you can Hear it through the mic. are like,
0: oh, twittering <laughs> <laughs> along. We're just, you know,
2: how could it. I? How could I say no to you two, but to a podcast that's called Not Superwoman? You had me at Not Superwoman.
1: Oh, thanks. I know that's how I feel. I definitely feel like that today. To be honest, I'm just just gonna try and pull the straps up and keep going.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear, you. I hear. You. Some days are more super than others. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yes. No, but we. We're, we Zoe and I have been following you on Instagram and been a fan of everything that you've done for such a long time. I mean, we've seen you on our screens, you've been in theatre and done musical theatre and singing. I, mean, I I And when I was looking into your background, I was just truly, sincerely fascinated because I just saw a woman that went out, and our episode is about, um, that goes out and follows their curiosities and sets their boundaries of what they do and don't want to do with their life and know, knowing when to call it, knowing when you want to move forward
2: and, you know, move on to the next project. And just so much self-belief. Yes. Well, that's so, that look, that's so kind. It's always weird to have people talk about you like that because you just, you're just doing your thing. Yes. Um, but I just, I love that you used curiosity because I'm, I've always been a curious person. I'm a naturally curious person. And it's funny, I have to I have to practice self-compassion and self-kindness to my curiosity at times because I'm sure my husband would give you a different perspective of living with someone who's always curious.
0: <laughs> we'll get him on the next one. <laughs> I think Simon would be a
2: bit like, could you just be less curious about this self-growth and doing the work? And so you, you beautifully... I had a, a lot of self reflection when I looked at that word curious, and when you're saying that word curious, I do I accept that with happiness because I think I am. I'm someone who's always not wanting to just rest and want to be. I don't. I've got to work on my perfectionism. I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? But I never want to settle. Mm. And I, what I mean with settle is I never want to settle with my growth, yep, and life, and taking life for granted. Mm. And maybe I think that comes from a. a Beautiful childhood with still its trauma with a small T because I feel like we've all got had trauma with a small T. I don't ever want to paint a picture that anyone's childhood is perfect. And often, the pe- I find sometimes the people that say, "Oh, I had the most amazing childhood," like you know everything was beautiful. My parents-. and when you dig deep, and then when that person eventually has something happen in their life, they realize, oh, maybe that's not the case. Yes, I love
1: this trauma with a small T. I've never heard
2: that saying before. Yeah, Gabor Mate, the um, Canadian physician who's incredible, written a lot of books that have been delving into lately. He's passionate about trauma. He's a doctor. And he talks a lot about every person's had trauma with a small T. Mm-hmm. And when we acknowledge that, we can help unpack our story. So I suppose I'm, I'm forever curious. I'm forever wanting to be disruptive as in why not? Mm. Like I'm never that person that says, oh, okay, I'll just do that. I'm always that person that says, but but why not? Mm-hmm. Like Even if it's a a segment on the project, I would push back and say, but why can't we do that? Could we not do this? Or if my husband, but why do we just need to do that because you've always done that or your family's done that or my family's done that? Why do we need to do that? And with, you know, that can be really tough because – that's not necessarily the status quo and that's not what people want you to do because you push them into uncomfortable territory. Yes.
1: Did you, or could I ask, was it always that way? Like even as a kid or did that develop as you had experiences and tested your boundaries and knew where your line was?
2: I think to answer that question honestly, I probably need to go back to when I didn't do it. Mm. So I think the answer comes from when I didn't, be curious, when I did what someone else wanted me to do, whether mm. that was a relationship or a friendship or choosing a uni course because I felt that that's what I was meant to do, what impact did that have on me? Mm. So when I answer that question, and let's take something that everyone could probably relate to, a, a relationship, when you go into a relationship with, with someone and you don't listen to yourself and you abandon yourself, mm. what I get, I don't know what other people get, is what I get is a series of – I get flashes of um, self doubt, and then I get, I start doing things and living a life that doesn't feel true to me. So I didn't probably know what it was, but it's a feeling of a lack of authenticity. It's a feeling of doubt. And then there's resentment and then anger. So I suppose that the driver for that is I had a wonderful childhood in terms of, particularly my mum, a beautiful, loving mother who instilled a very strong sense of self in me. And my Mm -hmm. parents had their own trauma and have made their own mistakes. And we've been, I've been doing lots of work on that personally in the last couple of years trying to, seeing them as individuals that had their own battles which i hope my daughter can do mm. because i'm going to muck her up if, if i haven't already so i hope she can look back with a compassionate lens like i'm doing now yeah but i did have a great childhood where i without being told you know you, you don't want to raise kids that you go you can do anything sweetheart you're amazing mm. It was so far from that, but it was very much like just believe in yourself, Mm. like back yourself and believe in yourself. So I think that's put me in great stead for having a good sense of self. Yes. But then in my 20s, I definitely went – I abandoned myself. I abandoned myself with a relationship, a very – you know, a very – a relationship that wasn't nourishing, that wasn't me. I didn't stay true to myself. So therefore, you're so far out of yourself and you're so what you'd call disembodied. You're not in your body. Yes. That to be out in that wilderness is so awful and – you make decisions that are so far removed from who
0: your core is that and who you want to be and you turn back and look at yourself and you go where's that girl where is she mm. but do you think that's also i'm not saying it's a positive thing but at least you can look back recognize that and know that what you didn't want what you don't want and what you want now 100% so like there's no regrets i guess oh, oh no I, Zoe I no
2: i wouldn't have i wouldn't be the boundary queen i am today if i didn't do that Yeah. So my whole driver for that feeling now of when everyone says, my God, George, you're so onto boundaries. I'm like, I am a boundary queen. Like the one thing I'm passionate about in life now is helping particularly women sit in their boundaries. Because I think naturally it is so hard for women when we're taught from you know this high, like five, four, four, three years old to be a good girl and to be nice. So I never use that language with my daughter. So at school, I'm always said to her, you don't need to be nice. And people are like, She's saying to her daughter, "I say you can be. I'd like you to be kind with boundaries, mm. yes. but I don't want you to be nice. It's not your responsibility to fix Joe Blow over there, but be kind with boundaries. Mm. So that the reason I, when I was out in the wilderness and, and abandoned myself, that's the driver now for me. Always checking in to go. Mm, yeah, no, that doesn't feel good, and I don't need to justify. I don't need to overexplain it. I just need to say that's not going to work for me. Thanks yeah. so much because I, I'm not going out there again." No. And it's not even – some people have a – it's funny. Some people have a reaction to it on Instagram. Like I, I, when I put up stuff on boundaries, 90% of people are like, yes, yes, yes. But everyone, now and then someone will come in to say, I don't understand that. I feel like you're being like so a bit sort of over the top with this. Because doesn't that mean if we're bounded, we're not looking after people and being flexible or being compassionate? I'm like, no, it's the opposite. Like mm. if you look at what Brene Brown says, the more that we fill our cups and the more our cup is full and we're not tipping it out for everybody else – actually, the more our cup is full, the more compassionate we can be. Mm. Because if my cup's full and I'm I'm able to be who I can be. I can actually be a more compassionate friend mm. because of my boundaries than if I'm looking after everybody else and depleting myself. I've got nothing left then and that's when my tolerance goes down.
1: It's so true. And it's honestly something that only now is it's coming into play in my life where I'm realising I'm actually a much better person to everybody around me when I have set for myself my very clear boundaries because I'm not overextending myself and pushing my molding myself to be you know the shape for someone else what i think for me is frustrating is realizing that it's taken me you know to this age to get here and in turn wanting to interview someone like you, that feel it feels like through, not that I know you, but I feel like <laughs> I've stalked you, and uh, that it feels like you studied pharmacology.
2: You're so good with your research.
1: And zool- zoology mm-hmm. at, at, and science at university, and then you went back and did your dip ed and um, did teaching, and then you through did y- years of teaching senior school, science senior school, and then through that, you constantly seem to reevaluate what you were enjoying, what you weren't, and and then in turn what you wanted to change. Mm. I'm I'm fascinated to to speak to you because of the fact that you seem to have that reflection and awareness much earlier than than I'm, you know, selfishly than than me. Um, as an example so like did you reach through each of those stages was there an inkling within you that you were like there was it a feeling a sensation a look around at your environment and go I'm not enjoying this anymore I'm tapping out or
2: what what was it I love that question because I I haven't probably formalized it like I when I look at the framework of how it does because that's how I'm wired but Mm. but there is a formula if I if I dig deep enough it's a combination of It's a it's a body experience. I know that sounds really weird. It's it's sometimes I can feel it in my body. Like I always laugh. I I don't ever like to be on a not that everything I've jumped off is a a sinking ship, but I don't. I'm always (laughs) do you know what I mean? I'm always sort of like going. I'm I'm sort of jumping to the next dream. Or it's a feeling of that's been amazing. I've had incredible growth there. But what's next? Yes, and. It's not this continual what's next, what's next because I've got to stay busy because sometimes I've jumped off, like recently I jumped off the project to – you know, yes, of course, we still at a boutique hotel and a restaurant, but that wasn't crazy for me. So I never, I don't necessarily always jump off to a busier schedule. I've, yep. I've jumped off actually to not much at all and been mm. so happy about that. So I think it's a combination of have I grown enough in this role and what else is there to offer for mm. that, or there's a bigger dream. So when I jumped off teaching, there was a bigger dream for me, and that was singing mm-hmm. and performing in musical theatre. But then when I jumped into that musical theatre, and it's funny, I often look. It's a really beautiful question because. I often look at what the person that's doing that thing, right? So yep. let's say I was in um, I was in teaching and I thought musical theatre was the next big, oh, my goodness, this is going to be amazing. And it was. It was amazing. Mm. And then when I got there, though, and I'm a, I'm a people observer. I'm a very – I take in the energy of an environment. I'm very metaphysical. I'm very sensitive to energy and environments. Mm-hmm. And I don't just see people I often – I'm looking at your whole. You must have a billboard on when I'm looking at you. Not oh from dear. a place of judgment. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like Jesus oh god,
1: what are you, what are you seeing in me? Because right now, it's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: I see. I suppose I, I don't know, I might, I might be wrong sometimes, but it's more I see just an energy. It's not even a judgment. I just see an energy. Yeah, and it's really annoying sometimes because I wish I didn't see it. Mm. Uh, I'd rather just walk in and have ignorance as bliss. Sometimes I mm. say that to my husband all the time. Um, and so then I would look at people that were doing that job mm-hmm. and I saw not a lot, but I saw a lot of people that were desperately unhappy. Yeah. So I watched certain performers who'd done that their whole life and I saw a sadness there and I saw a an unfulfillment, not for all of them, mm-hmm. but there are there are cases of people that that's just what they want to do. Yeah. So I suppose what I do then is, and whether that's the, I don't know what that is. Is that the teacher in me? Is that just the, is that that curious thing again? that I was like, oh, I don't want to end up like that. Mm. So I'd check in with myself and go, what else is in here? What am I loving about it? What Does this lie with my values? Does it not? And then I would jump onto the next thing. Um, and I tend to do that a lot. Like I was at Channel 9, I was on the Today Show and, you know, I had a, a great job. It was crazy. I was working so hard. My dad's got an amazing work ethic, so I get my work ethic from him. But I'd look out and I, this particular star that used to pull up in front of my office every day, they had the best car park because back then it was all about car, car park. You car park or- <laughs> Your success was all very much but And this person would get out every day, prime time, huge money, like the poster child of success, one of them at the network. And every morning they got out of the car, I would sort of look and I'd be just so shocked at their energy and their body language and just they seemed really sad.
0: I thought before you were they were going to say that, I thought you were going to say happy. And I was like, yes. No, no they sad. just seemed like they had
2: a burden. They just seemed like and resentful. And I, I just never saw them get out with any sense of joy. I just, and before all the lights and the cameras and the makeup yes. went on, I sort of felt like I saw, and I just remember saying to myself one day, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to be that person. So that was my motivation. So I then knew, okay, it's time to jump because. And I just left Channel 9 without any job and I just started seeing my
0: beautiful now husband and it was so uncertain. I had a mortgage. It was the most- So this is a random question. It obviously coincides with what we're talking about. Can you just leave a network? Yeah. Like if you were under contract- You can just leave. You just leave. Okay. My contract
2: was being renewed and they'd just given me a brand new renewal and they'd given me ongoing full-time, like something that's so rare. And I said- I don't want it. And I remember my EP, gorgeous man, Tom from Sydney, was rang me up and he said, What's going on? I thought we were all good. Like and almost like in disbelief, like you know, like there's a line of girls after you to do this job. And I was like, I know, and I'm going. So Is that funny? So much.
1: It's sort of um to me that sort of rings true of a lot of people get think that the things that fulfill us are going to be our careers or our bank accounts or what sort of home you're living in or what have you but at the end of the day if you're not feeling content and comfortable in who you are and who you want to be all of that sort of stuff just drips away and it just seems like you've had a very good gauge on that like as in to be able to assess that scenario look at that person getting out of the car and just go oh, yeah this isn't actually sitting well with me, and I don't want to be that. Just mm. takes a lot of like just self awareness. Did you ever though fear that you were making the wrong decision?
2: Oh, I mean, I was scared. Yeah, yeah I don't want people to think I was really cocky and confident. Go, oh, I'll be fine. Like I was scared. Like yeah. I remember saying to my manager, she's like, she kept ringing me gently and saying, "How are we going? Like she was encouraging. Well, I was
0: checking in. But yeah.
2: Like she was like encouraging <laughs> me to jump off the cliff, but she knew it was a huge risk. I mean, I was a, you know, I, I just come out of a terrible relationship. I Yeah, sure, I was dating Simon, but it was very early days and I was still that independent feisty feminist that wanted to be financially independent. And I'm thinking, yes. I'm not, I won't have an income. Mm. But I, I do believe in mantras and self-talk and I always say to myself, even now, if I have a day where I think, oh, gosh, there's not much going on, like have I am I washed up? Like I'm like everyone, the inner critic is still very strong, but it's just about overriding that with another mantra. And my mantra in my life is I will always be okay. Yeah, I will mm. always be okay. Mm. And even when I'm having my super tough days and I didn't have a job and then I had a, you know, I was thinking about, Oh, I'd like to do morning TV and started my little vision board again. I'm a big manifester. And you know, and then the circle came up and, but that was nine or 10 months. So I was just doing little bits and bobs in between then and it was pretty insecure work, but I just always had a – I've always got this deep-seated belief that things will be okay. Mm. And, of course, that means you're still going to get shit in your life. You're going to get really tough, painful periods. But – Nothing's ever wasted. Mm. Nothing's ever wasted. Something comes from every.
1: Um, uh, uh, as our one of our previous guests, Alana Kennedy from Sun, we recently had on and said, "There's wisdoms in. There's wisdom in wounds." And oh, um, such a great saying. Yeah, and I, I just was like, "Oh, it's so true." Nothing's ever wasted because there's wisdom in wounds. And
0: you are always thinking about the next thing and how you're wanting to evolve and how you're going to get there mentally. Like I always, you know. Job like I'm a freelancer, and so random things come up, but I never doubt that I will never. Well, some days I'm like I'll never work again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never do a laugh. Like I'm like you're only as good as your last wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's but you do. But you kind of just forge ahead. Well, you've just—that's you all you've happen. got.
2: That's all you got. All we've got is, is now. Like honestly, all we've got is now. And I know that sounds woo-woo and whatever, but it's tr- so true. And mm. you know, we've had a really tough year. My this year with my family, with um, family illness. My brothers had a really huge battle, health battle with cancer. We've lost my mum's partner. It's just mm. been a really, really shit year this mm. year. That's just cool. when we thought COVID was bad, but that the richness that comes from that of being able to just get up every sunrise and think oh my goodness there's another sunrise i'm here i'm blessed and send gratitude to the to the universe for that and then what comes from that is i can't i can't control the future i can't control what's going to happen i can only control me today and how I respond to things and not react to things. And I was listening to Tilda Swinton and she was doing this one. I love Tilda Swinton. She fascinates me. And she's talking a lot about soft goals, that sometimes when you make your goals too big, they're so brittle that they can break. Mm. And she, she her philosophy, which I really loved, was there's nothing wrong with having soft goals, with having goals of, you know, I want to start a podcast. I don't know how it's going to look like, but I'm just going to start at home. I'm going to mm. buy a couple of microphones Maybe a mixing desk. And I'm going to see how I go that sometimes we – there's a beautiful saying, don't let your dreams destroy your life. Mm. And I was surrounded by people in the media and that high, high, high level that they were operating at such a high level, which was incredibly successful in terms of what our culture tells us. Mm. But, my God, the cost of those. That's the thing. Huge. They're huge. And most of all, mental cost. Yes. The mental cost is so huge. And I'm not prepared to play that game. I – No, I just, I'm always trying to calculate how I can work, weave my goals and thread my goals in through my values. Mm. And my values are my family, being able to be a present mum, being able to be with my best mate who I married, who I just love. I love travel. I love food. So if I can pepper my, from a privileged perspective, 100%, but if I can pepper my, my work through that and my work has to have meaning. If my work doesn't have meaning and intention, it it will just never make me sing. And that if I'm going on the project for ratings and to try and be famous, oh, I just couldn't think of anything more shallow. Mm. Every time I got on the project it was about how do I connect with people sitting at home who are lost. Mm. And it's always about – like your podcast, it was like I get asked for lots of podcasts but it's about the intention. Mm.
1: I feel very lucky. We're
0: so lucky.
2: (laughs) Your your intention's beautiful. It's connecting women through vulnerability Yeah, through fragility, through realising that no one's perfect, and we're all just messing, messily moving our way through. Like your intention is really beautiful because it brings a community together and it makes women feel seen. For when we all mess up, which we all do, like mm. we're all getting it wrong, mm. we're trying our best. We're all somehow weirdly like damaging our kids. I know people don't agree with that, but we, no, are. we did a full we episode are. on that
0: last week. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to reverse that trauma? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we will. Like we will.
2: You know, one of the things I want to say to my daughter Molly is, "I love you, and one day I hope you'll forgive me."
0: Yes. Yes. Because I tried
2: my best. I know.
0: That's it. We're all just trying our best.
2: I will quickly say thank you. That was a
1: very kind thing to say because that's exactly was the intention of the podcast to start that. it's The seed was planted in COVID and it came from a place of desperation of ourselves. Like Zoe
0: and I would regularly call each other and just be so overwhelmed. Mm. And we're lucky we had that person to call mm. because a lot of people don't and they don't have that support network. Mm.
1: And so we were saying, like, let's take this online and have something where I think as well again probably during COVID and then after COVID as well you see so much facade on Instagram and social media that you feel even more isolated and alone and so we were saying like it'd be so nice to have a community-minded space that counteracts that facade to to the honest and raw you know vulnerabilities of getting parenting wrong getting you know missteps and not taking care of our health and our well-being like how do we and you know we're in a very privileged position also where we might have access to access to those things mm-hmm. but not everybody does and so to be able to have a space where we can invite you on and say we really want to learn how to set boundaries for ourselves and and what it is to be curious and how much means that you're sort of building your sense of self and have those conversations and short-circuit that information to a community is like the ultimate goal of why we're
2: even here.
1: So when someone like yourself can see that that's what we're trying to achieve,
2: it means the world. So, oh, well, as Oprah says, when you have an intention to use your talent and skill to serve others, the universe or whatever you want to believe in um, will always get behind you. Mm. It always, You're unstoppable.
0: God, I love Oprah. Yeah. she's so she my
2: queen. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. There's an intention. Somehow <laughs> yeah, it'll it. happen. Somehow someone will <laughs> know. Someone like to else be given a car <laughs> <laughs> or a little trip. Yeah, yeah. Just something yeah. we could just give out things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gosh. Right.
1: Yeah, except it would have to be highly edited because
2: we do fumble our <laughs> way. <wife. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> she would have no. Her, but for my dream, my dream dinner table would be, Oprah, Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle, and Abby, her partner. Um, just chatting, like, about doing the work. Like, and it's so funny when people frustrate me in life now or I, I don't know, come up against someone who's just clearly doesn't even want to listen. I'm like, just do the work. Like, do the work on yourself. And
0: I love that you said that dinner party thing because we play this game where it's your dinner party guests. It's such a good game. It is. It is. We, um, it's also um, caused many
1: – it's funny how everyone Huge debates arguments. it. Yeah, debates it so much. It, it, there's definitely been a few um, high-tension high conversations between our husbands. Oh, well,
0: it's alarming when you think you know someone. And you're like, oh, who would you have at your dinner table? And they're like, Donald Trump. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Can <laughs> you go? And you're like, oh, a red my flag. gosh. Red flag. Yeah, why? Oh, dear. Isn't it quite – yeah, and then you ask them why and yeah. they explain, like, it's a good game. It's a great it game. It is.
1: I was thinking through before how you were saying um, you saw, you know, in the Channel 9 gig and you were like, I need to step away and do something else. Do you, you and you mentioned also a vision board, do you have a vision board running the whole time and do you have the next step in mind when you've made the decision to step away? Oh,
2: great questions today. Um, Always have a vision board. So my yep. vision board is it's but it's constantly updated. Mm-hmm. So my vision board at the moment is in our bedroom and you know it's a huge big A2 and it's got everything from photos of I'm a very visual learner and then it's just got words like it's got abundance, only nourishing people in big capital letters. It's got um, intention, intention, intention. And then it'll have certain things. So it'll have my um, own one woman show, which I did earlier this year at Chapel of Chapel. So mm-hmm. then I'm able to take that off and go, oh, oh I did Done that. that. <laughs> and it's really, that's the most empowering Gratifying. thing. Gratifying. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly powerful. So at the moment I would have, um, like one of, one of my intention, one of my big thing that I've got up is Molly and I are closer each year. And that wouldn't be something – I'm I'm really proud of that one. And Simon and I continue to evolve, grow and, and connect each year. So they're not materialistic things? No, I might have – I mean, look, I might have a little picture of Capri initially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not like – No, I, I deliberately don't – know. I don't – that doesn't work for me yes. because I, I know that would not make me happy. No. Um, mm. And the pressure and the stress of all that money would be like, oh, no. Mm. And ab- to me that's abundance. So abundance yeah. will come to my life in the way it needs to come mm. – If I just focus on probably once a day, at least twice a day, I say I expect and accept abundance into my life. And what I want from that is health, Mm. happiness, joy, Yes. this. Look Mm. at this. Look how abundant I feel today because I'm sitting here with you two incredible women. I've met two new beautiful ladies. This is my favourite thing to do is to connect and talk. Like this just fills my soul. I will drive back to Ballarat tonight. Just my cup will be full because this is what makes me Just shine. I just love it so much. So this came into my world. I got my little email from you, and I went, "Thank you, universe." We stalked you. This is what you know. And so, if you focus on those things and and put that on your vision board, they do come in. They take a while. So back to the question about the next project. Yes, I've always got stuff there. Like I'll have. I had Birmingham Farm probably. Three years ago I started to tick over that. I was looking at a book and it was a beautiful property in the UK and they did more sort of food, but I was sort of going, oh, you know, I'm not really – hospitality is my hubby's thing but what about? And I spoke to my manager. I reckon if I asked her, she'd say probably four years ago I flagged an idea I had in my head about – and I've got dreams for her where I want Birmingham to go to bring in my presenting and mm-hmm. talking to people. I, I know where – I can see it in my third eye what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I probably think realistically that's still f- three – to. F- Five years away, but I can see it yes, and I can visualise it and I meditate on it yes, and then I let it go. So I I will now – what I'll now do is go – we've sold our hotel recently and that's been this beautiful – we can talk about that later – but beautiful um, release and I'm so proud of it, but it was time to go. Again, just had a body feeling, sort of gently said to my husband, how are we feeling? I feel like this is draining us, this is not filling us up. And when I would leave from the hotel – I would be so depleted. Mm. So I came home and even if I'd only done three or four hours, because the work wasn't aligned with my values and what I really wanted to do anymore, mm. I was just exhausted. Yeah. And Glennon Doyle talks a lot about that. And so does um, Oprah, that if you are depleted every day and a lot of people say, oh, that's, that's a privileged position because a lot of people are exhausted from their work. But it's really fascinating if you ask someone that did – like, I could go, I could get up at 6.30, get my our daughter ready for school, have a meeting, jump in the car, go and do project, finish project, not get home till... 9.30 that night and I would come in on the couch and I'd be like this to Simon and go, oh, my God. And then we had Lizzo. Oh, my God, Lizzo's amazing. And I would just be – my cup was so full that, and then I'd get to bed and just flake it for eight to ten hours. But my cup was full even though I'd done this crazy day. It's and the best driven, feeling. It's so good. But if I go in to do even just five hours of something that's not aligned with my values and that
0: doesn't nourish me, I'm just depleted. I'm so depleted. I feel like you're not giving that – Role, I guess, the best that it, it I'm needs, not. and then that business, you know, will in turn. You know, and I'm not, not serving my that team. That it, yes, because exactly. I'm not passionate about it. Yeah, and everyone feeds off everyone's energy. Yep, especially in a workplace like that. So I think that's
2: I, that's what I mean by my manager. And I laugh and talk about. Is it a full body yes, or is it a no? Mm. So as soon as I got your email, I'm like, this is a full body yes. Love to do this. Great, and then I can just feel it. It's like no, nope. Nope. Yes. I'm going to use that.
1: I know. It's got to be something. It, it's got to be something about being really tapped
2: into your
1: intuition. I, I compromise my intuition to accommodate others a lot.
2: And that comes back to boundaries. Yes. Yeah. So that comes back to why am I the big question here is what do I. If nobody else was at play in this decision, what would my answer be? And mm. you would say, would well, be easier. i would be a no. Yes. So therefore, why am I dropping that boundary? What belief system am I tapping into there? Mm. Am I tapping into that I am a shit mum if I say no to this? Mm. Am I tapping into that my partner's going to find me annoying and less attractive and he's probably going to disrespect me on some level if I say no to this? But then you're going to end up resentful. Mm. So the shit'll hit the fan anyway. Yes, it but just, it, it, it just gets. hits the fan further down the track, and then you both yelling and screaming at each other. Well, why the? Yes. Why the bloody hell did you say yes to this then? Why did we go on this holiday with those people and whatever? And are like, well, I should have told totally. you because I knew that it was, And so you haven't checked in. I love those
0: moments. Yeah, I feel like you've been in
2: our household recently. <laughs> no, and there's no such thing as perfection. I'm not trying to get to no, perfection no, no, here. No, no, like, no. You know, relationships are messy and they're always going to be. But I've really sat in lately of, of saying, um, I don't know, one of my girlfriends is great, she's a therapist, and she said her line is, I don't know how I feel about that yet. Can I get back to you? Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Too. Because there's
1: no offense to be taken from that. Like no. you, you it's because it just needs to, maybe it can be as practical as a diary review or it could be as deep as, you know, reflecting on whether or not you actually want to do it. They're none the wiser. And so it gives you affords you a minute to assess and go yes. okay. I know now what, but I think, yes, probably the instantaneous, I'll please you by giving a direct and immediate answer is probably a dangerous game because you're actually not quite sure if you're giving the answer that's true to you.
2: Well, there's the answer. It's the word please. Mm. Like the disease to please.
1: Yes. Yes. And so
2: many of us have the disease to please. Yes. And it's really hard to sit in your sense of self and be courageous enough to go, I don't need to please you like I love my husband yes and we are equals we're both individuals but I don't need to please him like I really don't and if he doesn't no you know if he doesn't respect my decision about certain things that's okay yes like even when they're saying to you or friends say but But I would say yes to that. Like I would do that for you. You have to go, and that is great that you are doing that for you. And I'm really glad that you're standing in your values. That doesn't work. That's not aligning with mine. Like that's hard Mm. because it shows how evolved your partner is, whether they're saying – I respect your boundaries, or yep. whether it becomes a shit fight because there's something else at play. Yes, yeah, totally. And it plays into family dynamics. It plays yes. into you playing ball and being a good wife yes, or being yeah. a good in-law. It plays into everything, whereas it's so – but it'll the shit will hit the fan if you don't honour yourself. If you abandon yourself –
1: in those circumstances, in yep.
2: some way, the shit will hit the fan, mm, so- and it's really hard to have the the uncomfortable. Like my husband laughs all the time because I, you know, I can see him sort of go, "Oh God, here she goes." <laughs> and one day she said to me, he "Goes, are you going to Brene Brown the shit out of this again?" And I said, "I am." <laughs> and we were having this huge, we were having this. Bless him, he's so gorgeous and evolved, and he does so well because I'm always doing the work <laughs> and I'm always sending podcasts. Did you read? Did you listen to that podcast? And you go, mm, "Not yet." Um. Anyway, we were having this argument one day and, you know, Brene talks a lot about the story that we tell ourselves because we get so looped into this story that we tell her. Like if a friend's ignored us or whatever, we just tell ourselves this huge dramatic story of she hates me, she's done this, just whatever. Yes. And it's just this continuous narrative and 90% of it's not true. Mm. And we attach to it. And before we know it, we've actually set the stage. There's a movie on it. There's a dialogue in the shower. None of this is real. And... We were having this argument, and I must have said something in frustration because I'm a Leo. I'm a pretty I roar, Like I get all of my energy out straight away, whereas he's Cancerian. He's sent to sit back and boil, and then bang. Yeah, yeah. And so he and he doesn't. He needs more time than I do. I've got a fairly fast brain with this stuff, and that, I don't mean that um, in a condescending way. I just I process that stuff fairly quickly. And totally I, understand. Yeah. I expect other people to get there really quickly. Even with our daughter, I have to give her more space to mm. process things. Mm. And so I said something that probably was a bit out of line and, he, you know, he got really angry and he had to go off and have a moment and then he came up to the wardrobe and he said to me, so in the words of Brene Brown, the story I'm telling myself is... <laughs> and I just started laughing. I said, Oh, sweetheart, I love you so much. And it just dissolved I all of the tension. And that is
1: so good. That what is a win. Beautiful. I know.
2: What a win. I would cry. I'd be like, Yes. I've so got I fun. did. I had that moment so. of going, Oh my God, all that nagging is worth it. And then it was great. It dissolved everything. Because yes. he said, The story I'm telling myself is that you don't care about her. And I said, Oh, darling, I love you so much. I said, Look, the story I'm telling myself. Is that you don't care about this either? Let's, it sounds like a complete misunderstanding. And that was it. Like, we just got there so quickly by using her language. I'm going to use that this afternoon. Yeah, I, I was
0: just <laughs> thinking about how I could implement that into my life too.
1: I know. Tom and I need to have a conversation about homework
0: and I'm going to use this story.
1: <laughs> for well, it helps kids. But it is yeah, funny it how kids. we all
0: process things. Yes, yeah. And it, and it makes complete sense. And to kids it's great
2: too because when Molly's got issues, you know, she's year seven at the moment and it's tricky. You know, it's tricky with girls and tribes and all that stuff. Oh, yes. And I just want to fix it, which is what she doesn't want. She's... A Ripper of a kid. And she said, mum, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to actively listen to me.
0: Oh, that's good. I she's amazing. Okay.
2: I said, sorry, sorry. I said, you know, it's just really hard as a mother seeing your child in pain. So my default is I want to fix it, but I need to learn to just listen. And she said, you just need to reiterate how hard it is for me and just listen. Yes. And I'm like, okay. So I now just go, that sounds really hard. God, I wonder where that sunk in from because
1: that's like a really good – like lesson to learn quickly and young too, as in that that she knows that listening when someone's in that moment. Because I was listening to Hugh Van Sullenberg on the on, oh,
2: isn't he great? Oh,
1: and from the Resilience Project, and yeah, that's he was saying that he's learned that that and for it through Dr Emily Musgrove and so on that. Yeah, just the listening piece with your kids at school and what goes on is is what you need to do, not stepping in.
2: But it's amazing
1: that your daughter already knows that.
2: Well, I think hopefully I mean you hope that you model I model terrible things, but you hope you model good things. And I think sometimes when Simon, when I come home and I'm frustrated and he goes to fix it in front of her, I'll just say, Sweetheart, I know that you're that you think that you'd need to fix it. But I said, I just need you to listen and then give me a cuddle. Yeah. So I think she sees me saying yes. that to him. And then she's like, oh, yeah. And then when suddenly I try to do the same thing that Simon but did, she's able to go, mum, I don't need you to do that. And, and she said, you know, I just don't want you to fix it and I don't want it to be a lesson. I just want you to listen. I don't man.
0: want it to be a lesson. And I'm like, oh, good. cool. Yeah. Because I do often ring my sister in the morning and I'm like, I'm just ringing you just to have a moment. I need you to listen while I vent. Yes. And so I go, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, thank you so much for listening. I feel so much better.
2: And and you know what? That's how beautiful that she – and there's a, there's a great – um. I love that Zoe because there's sometimes when my friends come to me, I say to them, do you just need me to, me to listen or would you like solutions? Yes. Yeah, that's and great. sometimes they just say, great, "I just too. need you to listen." And then other times, my girlfriend who was going through a marriage breakdown after COVID, she's like, "No, I need a solution here. I'm completely lost." And so, then mm. you can talk I'm like, through okay. strategies on what you yeah, could do. To I get think there. why don't why don't your next step you could be this or why don't yes. you you know? But I love that she she knew she needed the solution. And then there's other times when you just want to vent. Do. I don't want an answer, no.
1: But it is so helpful for the other person because I would say generally the person who's venting is the person who's in a state of overwhelm mm-hmm. and feeling flooded, mm-hmm. and so then. It is so helpful to have the person who's listening identify which path you want to go. Hundred percent. Because it, it, sometimes, yeah, you, you don't know which way you
0: want until someone actually puts it into and you feel two different so avenues. Much better. Just talking things out loud. Oh, yes, and not in your head, and, yep. and just and it's really healthy. Like, it's really healthy to get that shit off your liver,
2: as they say. Like, you've yes. got to – and I remember when I was talking to people about, you know, my beautiful brother who – when he sort of first diagnosed and it was interesting because I'd say to certain people – and some people were just amazing at just listening and saying, sweetheart, that is a huge load and what can I do to help? And, like, they just held space. mm And then I had sort of other people that thought they were doing the right thing, but they'd sort of come back with me and say, oh, look, it's amazing what they can do now with cancer. And and I had a friend who was so – and I was like, I actually got – I was like, fucking not helpful. Yeah. Like, that's just not helpful. Yeah. And that was when I learned a lot and thought, God, if anyone ever comes to me with this, now I know what it feels like. That's how I'm going to approach it. Like, that's hard. and. You know I, know, I know I keep Renee Browing the shit out of this podcast.
0: <laughs> no, I'm really into it.
2: But she talks about comparative suffering. So she said it's always dangerous to compare suffering. So yes. if you had a person that walked in this morning and you had like two or three women having a cup of tea and let's say one of them, their, their partner's got cancer or got a terrible, you know, they're going through a really hard time as a family. And then another girlfriend walked in who had lost her cat. And was just beside herself for the cat, right? What we I'm not
0: laughing. I just Yeah, yes. stop laughing, <laughs> Zoe. Sorry. Not, like, <laughs> not funny, moment. Zoe. <laughs> <Bad moment. laughs>
2: and there's such a temptation as humans to judge the woman who's lost the cat, who's going who's who's falling apart, right? And then the woman who's standing there, who's probably doing a fairly good job keeping it together, whose partner's really unwell. There's such a temptation to judge the cat woman and go, oh well, you know, you know that Lisa is going through cancer with her husband or whatever. So what that does is two things. It compares her suffering to someone else's and you're shutting down compassion because pain is pain at the end of the day yes. and they'll get there in time. But if you don't show compassion to that woman who's lost the cat, no one, no one benefits from that. She doesn't feel seen. Mm. You've exercised judgment, so you feel shit. You, you, when, you, when we judge people, we feel shit about them and we feel shit about ourselves. And Renee talks a lot about that pizza, like empathy, is not just 12 slices of a pizza where only the people that have cancer or have lost someone get the 12 slices, and then there's no more pizza. There's no more empathy she's like empathy is a beautiful continuous
0: buffet that goes as long as you can there's enough for everyone what a wonderful description like to you know and everyone processes things differently like you can feel pain is pain that's yes. like pain like- is pain and if you just grab that woman's hand you lost the cat and said that is really
2: hard Yep. animals mean so much to us I've lost a pet and that was a tough place to be oh. how about I get you a cup of tea and he's a cuddle that woman just goes oh my god I feel so seen you can do something completely separate to the lady who's dealing with her husband who's got cancer, but she talks about it's really dangerous to compare. It's called comparative suffering. And I love these women that are coming out and men, you know, researchers and people coming out into the world and giving us the language Mm. because Mm. we sort of know it in our heads. But But until you've got the language and the framework, you can't practice it. So I love that these people are changing the world and making us – like I'm so addicted to doing the work, it's ridiculous. Like yep. I, I'll get a new book each week, and just I just finished um Johan Hari's book um on depression, and oh. oh, like just life changing. And now I have a completely new little door that's opened in my brain. There's that curiosity. Yes, I never want to stop being curious. Yes,
1: and which is honestly, yeah, I mean that's. What's fascinating, and it's funny how much I mean. When we were talking to you about this, or emailed you about this episode, we get in a habit of going going through the motions and getting caught in our systems and structures that we've created to to exist and you know get through. Let's call it the grind. We forget that there's such an opportunity to entertain curiosity, to grow. And it's so important because otherwise you just remain in the same spot regardless of how many years you've been in a job or how many years you've, you've, you've contributed to whatever you're doing within your day. If, you're, if you don't entertain the curiosity, you Self might grow in, grow in certain avenues but not in its entire possibility of capacity, you know? 100%. 100%. Uh,
2: There's so much there to be I, – I just, I just want to continually keep learning.
1: Yes, Every day,
2: I want to learn. And we're going to pause there for our part one with
1: the gorgeous Georgie Coughlin. Part two of Following Curiosity and Setting Boundaries will air tomorrow at 7am. So much more to cover, including Georgie's reflections of the media industry, her family starting Birmingham Farm, and her appreciation for process over product. We can't wait to share that with you tomorrow.